This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, March 21st, 2020. And I'd love to say something fun and interesting, but frankly, it just isn't that kind of year. 2020's shaping up real great, isn't it? It's a rough year so far. Hey, guess what I heard? Uh, I've got a lot of guesses, but why don't you just tell me? I heard Yellowstone is having some kind of convulsions in an area the size of Colorado. Really? Is the whole park going to just flip Explode? its lid? Explode? Yeah, I don't know. I, I really doubt it, because that sounds like it would be too quick. Like, it would end our misery too quickly, but, you know, it's just something else to, because it's that kind of year. You just set it up and say, well, if it happens, it happens. I mean, what are we going to do? Now, we haven't caught up this week, so I've been meaning to talk to you about the, the tremors out there where you're at in the mountains. I, oh, yeah. under, I understand that you withstood an earthquake this week. It was awesome. It wasn't just an earthquake out here, though. They had earthquakes all around the ring of fire that that circles the Pacific Ocean, right? Mm -hmm. And so the ring of fire let loose. And as a consequence of that, we also, in Utah, the middle of the Rocky Mountains, got hit with an earthquake. Wow. Uh, and up, up where I am, we actually got hit with a, because it was a 5.7 at the, near the epicenter in, south of us. But right where we are, we got hit with a 4.4, which means it was one-tenth the energy because it's a logarithmic scale, right? So it dropped by one-tenth the energy, uh, a little bit more, actually. So we, in my house, we were, were fortunate. But still, man, we got, you know, shake, rattle, and roll was, was going on in Utah. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Uh, no, that's interesting because I'm I'm on the ring of fire as well, and I didn't feel it. We didn't get much. Uh, of course, we're, we're a little preoccupied in Washington State. Well, yeah, because you guys have got like the same pandemic everybody's got, and things shutting down. Oh, I got to tell you this, dude. <laughs> this local hospital has sealed up all the entrances except the emergency room. So in order to get into the hospital, you have to go through the emergency room. And in order to get into the emergency room, you have to go through a quick testing tent. You, you don't get a full test for the uh, Chinese Wuhan five-finger death cough. You, uh, they do the quick test, which is check your temperature. Uh, but you have to go through a tent that looks exactly like the one they set up outside of E.T.'s house. Oh, no. Yeah. That's like, ominous. <laughs> wow. I'm in an episode of either Fringe or The X-Files. I haven't, I haven't decided which. I mean, <laughs> this, is the, this is the year we've got. And you can tell us about Washington, because I know you wanted to tell us about Washington. About Washington? Yeah. Didn't oh, you well, have well, I, I mean... Viewers may know that I'm in Western Washington. We're at the we're at the epicenter of of sort of the outbreak here on the West Coast, and uh, it's it's all right. 
I mean, we're locked down. Restaurants are closed except for takeout. But uh, the craziness hasn't exactly set in yet. We've got National Guard in the streets of New York City, Baltimore. My brother-in-law just got called up. Somebody, now this is just a rumor, uh, but somebody passed along a rumor that they're setting up tent cities for patients to quarantine them at local military bases. I don't know that that's true. So we've got a pandemic, earthquakes along the ring of fire bouncing out to Utah, Yellowstone looking like it's waking up and grumbling, and uh, nationwide quarantine. And I'm like, okay, who pissed off the big guy? <laughs> What the hell is going on, people? <laughs> Did we slipped sideways. Oh, yeah, and, and apparently global cooling is now kicking in because uh, pollution has dropped so much. Like the Italians can see the bottom of the canals in Venice for the first time in a century. I, I you know, it's it's a scary new world out there. Oh, yeah. So... Actually, that, that brings us to the topic of the show, doesn't it? It sure does. Uh, I, I do want to remind our, our wonderful guests. We've got uh, John Dacre and Yakov Merkin, and welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. I mean, uh, and, and feel free to jump in at any time. Because um, I wanted to, I, I said before the show, I wanted to talk to you about another thing that you guys worked on at, for the quarantine. Uh, which all of you have contributed to the name the name of the show. So all I know is that I downloaded this free book with an awesome illustration on the cover. Can one of you guys jump in and tell me what happened this week? Well, in a in a group chat, uh, someone suggested that we kind of put together a little free ebook for everyone who's you know locked down in quarantine. Just you know some nice, fun little stories to read. So then, over the course of what I think three or four days, we got a bunch of stories submitted, cover art commissioned, ebook put together, and released. Wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> We can't hear you. We can't understand you. A plague, Doctor Merkin. I'd like to welcome everybody listening to this in their cars or on their phone or something like that. Uh, Yakov Merkin's got a, a gas mask on. on. It, <laughs> take it off now. It's it. It's very very timely. It's, it's safe to take it off. I just want to make sure that it's safe to take off. Yeah. <laughs> That's better. I had it on for an hour the other day, and it was a uh, guy. I mean, for half an hour, or whatever, it's fine. After an hour, it starts to get to the point you want to take it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I went, I went outside to go do some errands, so I put it on for that because I don't want to catch this. So uh, I've gotten about a dozen requests for pictures of people on the street so far, so that was fun. <laughs> I, I think this is the first time I've seen you out of uniform. Well, I only got out of the army in December, so it's only been not much, three, four months now. 
So, uh, adjusting to civilian life and now adjusting to pandemic life, I guess. Yeah, you didn't have much time to have enjoy a civilian life before getting locked down. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't find a job yet before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is this is not a good time to be unemployed. No. Luckily, I luckily I'm like a lot of soldiers. I don't waste my money during my service, so I have enough saved up that I'll hopefully be okay for a while. And uh, and we'll see where things go in the next next year. Um. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask about this thing because I I downloaded the book. I haven't read it yet, so I'm kind of curious to know. Um. Oh yeah. Oh, JD Cowan, who also. If I'm not mistaken, J.D. Cowan also contributed, points out that David Stewart spearheaded the anthology. That's true. He was the he was the main man there, uh, sort of coordinating the effort. Uh, but I was curious to know what you guys contributed. Um, yeah, well, might as well start with you, Yakov. Uh, okay. The story I gave. Story that I wrote a little while back. Actually, it's only that I wrote during basic training, of all times. About a twenty, it was like twenty thousand word story that I wrote. I got released in five parts on my mailing list uh, a while ago, but I haven't done anything else with it since then. So it's a story that takes place, I think, between books three and four of my Galaxy Ascendant series, and starring um, one of the one of the main characters in the story. It's like a it's a short story or a novelette, I guess that is uh, two viewpoints that kind of alternate between each viewpoint in each part, and each, it's like a cat and mouse kind of battle inside a nebula. And uh, one of the main characters of that is a character who shows up quite a in uh, books four and five of the series, and actually gets a viewpoint in book five. So, uh, so yeah, that was the fact that I haven't really done much apart from the and people seem to people who've, who've told me that they've read it seem to have enjoyed it so i said why not give that one to this and uh and obviously hopefully it'll be i mean maybe it'll be a gateway to my books too because again it does it doesn't require having read the other books it was designed to be an independent enough to understand what's going on on its own but obviously it does tie in to the main series itself well that's handy give people a, a little taste of of the the merkin verse um, there's some, yeah, well, there's, also there's some... just came out last week, so it's a, it's a good it's a good time too. Right, that's Hi. a weird name. Is is it is it the Yakov verse or the Merkin verse or the or Galaxy Ascendant verse? I didn't. I just called the Galaxy Ascendant because I plan to keep writing in this in this galaxy for probably forever. So, I mean, the Galaxy Ascendant series is just the first series. That'll be taking place in this galaxy that I have uh, already have plans for about four or five spin-off slash sequel series, and uh, maybe possibly a, like a sh series of short stories that take place well in the past. It doesn't really tie into the main series, but it's in the same galaxy. I mean, book seven, I'm gonna get to get that over to my editor hopefully another day or two, and finish that series up uh, sometime this spring. So uh, things are moving along. Oh, sounds good. D Dub, did I cut you off? Uh, no. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> no, man. We just gotta let Yakov finish his introduction, and then uh, uh, is he done? I don't want to cut him off, man. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think that was. No, I think that was more or less. I mean. 
Well, the question was about what story you gave to the anthology, and then I also got in a plug for the new book. So I think uh, I accomplished. You I sneaked that role. one in there. That was pretty good. <laughs> and then Juan <laughs> Daker. I'm working on my marketing. My marketing skills need, need still need work, but I'm uh, trying to. That's our motto here on on the Geek App. Come on the Geek App. Work on your marketing skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I I just started a marketing course here at a local university like a week ago, and then within two classes, when we all got sent to online classes because of the coronavirus. <laughs> So now they're still figuring out how to make it work over Zoom, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Dreadful. That sounds dreadful. Hey, can I get on my soapbox for a second? Too late. I'm on it. There are parents all <laughs> over the world who are uh -huh. homeschooling now. And is it me, or is it just me, or after having gone through schooling many, many years ago, it's bullshit, right? Yes. Can't we? Can't we? Can't we just have, let the kids not have school for two months? Is that so bad than to have parents do a crash course in homeschooling? Or is it the other way around? I'll do the whole. Are we going to get virtual parents... course? I know some people. Oh, that sounds dreadful. I would. What kid would sit through that? But. Uh, or is it the other way around? Are parents going to get used to homeschooling and we can finally get away from those horrible prisons? Separate connection interruption. One can only hope. And maybe, maybe an unpopular opinion. Um, all right, Mr. John Daker, what about you? Uh, well, I decided to. Uh, I wrote a little story that was. It's kind of a. I don't want to say it's a weird western. Oh, can you not hear me? I can hear you just fine. Oh, okay. It's kind of a, a weird Western uh, with, because I think, you know, Westerns are, are fun. Uh, so I just wrote a, a, sh a very short little story about a, a deputy getting exiled into the waste, which is kind of like an endless desert where without spoiling anything, uh, where the 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 rule like the rules of the real world kind of don't necessarily apply, mm. and for the uh, degenerates in the audience, there is uh, let me just say that there's a uh, there's a monster girl in there. Oh, <laughs> you have locked uh. in the Jim Fear demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's exactly, you know, I expected no more and no less. <laughs> High adventure in the wastelands with the monster girl. <laughs> that's outstanding. And, uh, and our, our gracious host, unfortunately suffering from some Caltrop related, uh, injuries, uh, you, you contributed something as well, didn't you? Yes, I wrote the foreword. Awesome. Which I'm actually really looking forward to reading. It's a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I, I, uh, someone talking about the book today said that uh, that it was worth the download just for the foreword. 
Oh, that's great. That's really great to hear. Now, he's not saying that the other stuff isn't all uh, also awesome. He's saying that download it just for the forward and everything else is gravy. It's value added. It just makes it better. So that's, uh, that's High praise. spiffy, shiny, you know, Swarovski crystals uh, is everybody's stories. But man... I was I was happy about that. Heck yeah. Well, now I'm even more excited. Well, well, maybe I mean, for me I get to chat with you every week. Maybe it's not a big deal. <laughs> maybe I'll read it and I'll be like, "Yeah, that's good. That's 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 like talking to Daddy Warpig on the phone every week." <laughs> Guys, you don't know how how privileged I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know I sound like I'm being so <laughs> facetious, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you you know more about the secret project than just about anybody. <laughs> sure. Um, you sounded like you had a thought there. No, I had a sudden burst of. Uh, interference from uh, my body's neurological systems who have decided that uh, being uh, talky today is just not on the table. <laughs> They're just like, hey, you know that thing you usually do when you come on the show with everybody? Nah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <clears throat> That's, That's cool. all right. Now, we did... Uh, we did have some other stuff. Last week, I, of course, got out of my way to pimp uh, John Mollison's book. Uh, as I always do, Adventure Constant. Every time he comes on the show, I pimp that book because I think it's awesome. Well, he has a an updated version of Adventure Constant, uh, version 2, with some changes. And I don't know what they are. But that is also in the Corona Chan book. So if you are interested in checking that out, you don't have to buy it anymore. You can get it for free, the updated version in the Corona Chan book. Now, we are really pushing uh, some great reading on you. Um, uh, Brian Nehemiah's. Brian Nehemiah's uh, Anacyclosis, which has been the the book that only subscribers to his mailing list get. Um, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of the names here, uh, just so if I can get the if I can get my Kindle app to behave. Brian Nehemiah, John De La Rose, John Mollison, David B. Stewart, Alexander Helene. John Dacre, of course, J.D. Cowan, in the audience, Yakov Merkin, on the show, Nathan Dabney, K.P. Calvitas, Alexandru Constantine, Matt Wellman, Abraham Strongjohn, J. Manford Weichsel, Jesse White, Raleigh Nianzi, Val Hull, and, of course, forward by the infamous Daddy Warpig. By the way, that's not the name I chose for myself. I was given that. I am. I don't. I don't know that you've ever told that story. 
<clears throat> no, David gave it to me when I was when he was describing the book. The That's infamous. the story. David gave me that name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, that's that's quite a list. Plus the infamous. I usually I usually use inimitable. Oh, that's good too. Actually, uh, since my brain has run out of original things to say for a moment until it recuperates from that last bit of caltropiness, can I just say how ridiculous it is that a teeny tiny hole in the bottom of my foot? has been giving me major pain for nine weeks now. Nine weeks. I hey. am... <clears throat> I'm just I'm just glad that you can still think and talk and and you still have the foot. I have deliberately skipped two meals in a row because I would rather not eat than stand up and walk and try to get food. Pets that's so fun. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough. So, I'm not trying to complain. I'm not trying to make people feel bad for me or anything. It's just like nine weeks of that over this teeniest, tiniest hole in the bottom of my foot. It's it's ridiculous. When I tell you caltrops are actually way more serious, you know, yeah, they can be way more serious. And <laughs> And this isn't even infected. It's never been infected, this little wound. So I don't even know what it'd be like with if it were infected or, you know, the doctor's office, when I went in, they were like, yeah, you know, sometimes people get cells, they kind of die off around the edges of these wounds, they go black, and we have to, the, the, the technical term is to breathe them. Wow. And that's, that's, that a sounds... technical, <laughs> that's a technical term for removing skin by roughing it up with a metal brush <laughs> that sounds pleasant yeah yeah so they haven't had to do that at all with me and i'm just grateful um so i'm going to read something from my from my great grand and glorious introduction i don't think i'm going to read the whole thing it's 900 words and really reading that on the air would be uh tedious but i want to get to because uh, I'm talking about the quarantine. That's how the, I open with it. I'm talking about the quarantine because that's what the book's about, right? I'm talking about the quarantine. And the question is, what do you do? What do you do in this quarantine? You're stuck at home. Enter the hooligans. The hooligans. If fantasy and science fiction writerdom were gathered in one room, all of the writers gathered in one room, in the dustiest corner, you'd have the science nerds of science fiction, bearded, bespectacled, big-bellied, arguing bitterly over whether or not you really could get potatoes to grow on Mars if you only had a gallon of diesel in a Microsoft Surface tablet. Sitting next to them, the Mill SF cadre, all in civilian clothes, but most seeming to stand at attention even when sitting, quietly discussing seven ways to gut a man in a space chute with just a piece of paper. <laughs> in the fantasy corner, you have the hard medieval realists talking about the average distance a horse can gallop before losing a shoe. 
grimdark fetishists dropping F-bombs, writing about orc rape, and drinking blood and spitting it on paper like a demented Jackson Pollock to show how serious an adult they are. An airy-minded airy fantasist writing a poem from a dragon to its elf unicorn lover about how pink the clouds were at sunset and how the smoke from its nostrils rose in the darkening light to join with the clouds like it wishes it could join with its beloved. In between F and SF, the hard fantasy guys sit making hard rules for hard magic, like magic were a science and spell work a technology. Near the bay windows where the light can fall on them and illuminate their magnificence, there's the self-involved, self-important snobs of the would-be literary crowd telling each other how important and great each other's books are, complete with fake awards for fake accomplishments even though nobody ever reads anything. And in the center of the all is the roiling mob of the political obsessives pointing and shrieking accusations at everybody else and sometimes themselves, trying to get wrong thinkers shut down or at least getting them shut up. Everybody hates the politicals, even themselves, though most are too intimidated to confront them openly. <laughs> so... That's most of fantasy and science fiction writerdom gathered in one room. Then there's these guys. These guys. The hooligans. Brief pause for effect. They sit in the stands, apart from everyone, noisily talking and furiously working, passing around dog-eared, time-worn story mags, pulp mags, and everybody else threw away decades ago. Mags that, like Indiana Joneses of unfashionable yarns, these bounders hunted down and brought to light, scouring dusty attics, backroom store shelves, teeming flea markets, sparse library sales, the maze of Amazon search engine, which can't even understand pulp, and internet sites of questionable provenance. Their pulp magazine story mags filled with tales where entertainment came first, first before everything else, where the lost dark arts of storytelling are on full display, where the grandmasters of the genre plied their trade, these are their heritage, their guidebook, their critical canon. Pretty much everyone else sneers when they see these mags and rant about poor writing, poor storytelling and racism, but the hooligans don't care. Up in the stands, jeering at the self-important and pompous, the overrated and depraved, the hooligans are inured to such vitriol. They preach the revolution of the pulp. The genre has dead-ended, the pulp hooligans say, and we need to learn how to put entertainment first once again. Put entertainment first, put the audience first, and stop worshipping things that don't matter. Of course they're ready, even eager to fight back, and sometimes wander around the room saying provocative things they know will start fights, decrying previously uncontested axioms, shaking up the saddest quo by offending everyone's pieties. And those are the hooligans of the, uh, that the beginning essay, the foreword, is about. Dang. <laughs> That's real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, 
Uh, so what, what do you say, guys? Does that describe you or what? Yes. Yeah, why not? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we can be hool- hooliganish, picking fights just because. <laughs> yeah, you know. Isn't this a, is that the point of the internet to just pick fights for no reason? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the only thing keeping Twitter going. <laughs> <laughs> what a great introduction to this this motley crew! Oh gosh, did I just use that cliche? <laughs> this is why I don't do the writing or the reading, for that matter. <laughs> Oh man, I'm just excited. I was glad David uh, agreed to let me write the forward because pretty much the only thing I can contribute right now. Uh, yeah. Oh well, you nailed it. <laughs> I really wanted to put yeah. in a bit about John Della Rose. <laughs> I, I picture him as the most combative guy walking around the room, just staring at everybody, waiting for someone to look at him cross-eyed. <laughs> In fact, he's so eager for a fight, sometimes he leaves the fantasy and science fiction room and goes next door to the comic book room and, and starts picking fights there just because he hasn't gotten enough fights. <laughs> I'm... <clears throat> You know, he he said something. I don't know. I don't know if I should say this, but uh, he said that he he's almost done trying to write his novels now because he's having so much fun uh, pump cranking out comic scripts and getting in fights with people online. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if he wants to do comic books full time and he can make a living at it, more power to him. We need pull people in comics too. Or rather, people who are audience first, story first, entertainment first. Do we, though? Have you seen <laughs> Marvel lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, they just, uh, yeah, they just r- released, and I'm not making this up, the New Warriors, with a bunch of, to use another uh common phrase it's it's so woke it has to be seen to be believed have you guys seen this yeah, yeah it, was the, it was like the most obvious bait of all time yes yeah like the the snowflake and safe space characters and but here we are talking about it so i guess we got baited yeah we got baited let me see if i can find an image yes we've got a a pair of characters like a, a couple snowflake and safe space. I, I don't, I don't know if I can do justice to the image, but they're both kind of androgynous looking people who, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm trying to find a nice image here, but there are no nice images of that. <laughs> Well, a, a representative image. <laughs> or, I mean, if I can commit heresy for a second and move beyond just the obvious, obvious politically 
you know, obvious social justice thing. Um, the, the other guy, there's another dude in there who got his powers from internet gas. I think that's the dumbest part. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't come up with any kind of explanation as to what an internet gas is. Like the a, best, a... the best oh. I could do, and I think this is giving the man too much credit. I think I am way, way, way too generous with this. Is that it wasn't a gas at all? It was a cloud of nanoparticles that form that can communicate via radio with the internet. Now, again, I don't think he's that smart, so I think I'm giving him too much credit. I think I'm being too clever with that. <laughs> Uh, but that's not actually what I was talking about. I mean, yeah, that's awful. That's stupid. That's dumb. All of that group is. But they actually did something almost as bad. X-Men Children of the Atom? Um, which is basically where they took five... <laughs> J.T. Cowan says... <laughs> Do you want to put that up on the screen? Yeah, we're going to do that. Internet gas comes from Mountain Dew and Doritos. <laughs> no, they, they put up... <laughs> that is internet gas. I am not going to lie. <laughs> Emmett Fitzhumes, yeah, offers Hot Pockets. Yeah, that's part of it, too. <laughs> they put up a brand new X-Men series that are sidekicks to the original X-Men. And all they are, it seems, is photocopies of Angel, photocopies of Cyclops, photocopies of Gambit, photocopies of Nightcrawler. And this is just a guess because they haven't said anything about this character, but their colors look like Rogue. Um, they photocopied four existing X-Men, and I'm guessing the fifth is also a photocopy, but I don't know anything about that character, and then ran them through the diversifier to make sure that the characters were all diversified, and that's the new book they're talking about. And they're talking about how awesome and, and creative and, and brilliant this new book is. Oh and my creative. Goodness. How creative it is. Yeah, I've got the I've got the cover to the first issue right here. Let me put this up on screen. You're right. They're just they're just copies of existing X-Men. Only only Cyclops is a babe and Gambit's an African babe, and I don't know. Let's let's take a look at this. And by the way, uh, if you search for children of the Atom X-Men on Google, you will find tons of information about an amazing arcade game from my youth. And if you haven't played that, just load up your MAME emulator and give that a try. X-Men Children of the Atom is outstanding. See, there's Angel with his wings, Cyclops with the eye beams, and I've seen interior panels. They, that's literally a red eye beam. There's nothing original about it. Touch the side of the face, it shoots a red eye beam. It's right out of the movies almost. Yeah. 
It's just... Uh, so these are supposed to be different characters. They're not supposed to be... Yeah, these are brand new Zoomer generation characters. Gambit standing yeah. there with the cards. Um, and that's Nightcrawler and Havoc as well. Oh, Havoc, okay. Yeah, they just... That's weird. So they, they are do they are they intended to be in the same universe or is it like a is it a hard re reset? No, these are just new characters in a new issue. They're they're younger, hipper characters. They're they're from the Zoomeray generation. They're they're one of these guys. One of these guys is the moderator of R slash X Men. I hear everybody silent. Uh, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's Reddit. It's just... <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what to do with this information. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to close the browser window. <laughs> there we go. Forget about Stop. it. <laughs> Sorry. I just, it, it's, it's so hard so lazy. to believe. They're, they're killing themselves. I mean, this is the worst time in the world for comic stores. Literally, this pandemic is the worst time in the world for comic stores. And they come out with guaranteed failure, these, these new, new warriors, right? Guaranteed failures. Um, and then, I just, safe space creates pink bubbles around other people and protects them. He blows bubblegum bubbles around other people. It's like beyond parody. It's, 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 how, what? What? <laughs> I mean, what? As a concept, it almost works, like shielding other people, like creating yeah. force fields to protect them. That's a cool concept they could have done something with. Yeah. They could have made a badass character out of that. Because uh, there's a lot of room there to do other things, too. And, and the concept, the other guy, uh, Snowflake, he's a cryomancer or cryokinetic. He creates snowflakes... That are he throws like shurikens. They're big chunks of ice. He throws like shurikens. That's actually a concept that could work if you stripped it of all the. Man, there's a four chan word I really wish I could use on the air right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you stripped it of all the uh, flabbitry. Um, <laughs> that could work. I really can't use that word on the air because we're family friendly, but also he's non-binary, so... Of course. <laughs> non-binary. Hey, hang on, Daddy Warpig. That's a really obscure term unless you live on the internet. I know. Or, or, or a Zoomer. What do you mean by non-binary? I'm actually not entirely sure. Uh, I'm surprised to make a robot character named non-binary and just gave it, like, Zeros, ones, and twos, or something. Obviously, 
I mean, th- that these people are such awful writers, they can't even hit sort of an obvious joke like that. Yeah. Uh, I think Borderlands 3 did that joke. But anyways, it, it's, it's these two titles that are launching at the same time. It's not just the obvious social justice in the first title. And it's not just the diversifier operating on the second title. It's that it shows such a complete lack of interest in making comics that are good that will appeal to an audience at a time in which not only were comic book stores struggling anyway, but they're going out of business. And this pandemic hits and people are staying at home. Comic book stores were already teetering on the edge. You're going to see a wave of closures. It's blood is going to hit the floor. Meanwhile, Marvel's sitting back, nodding its head, playing that rap song. Let the bodies hit the floor, or whatever genre music that is. (laughs) They don't even care, man. They're like, we're owned by Disney. We don't have to care. I don't know what the hell is going through their minds. I'm like, I could make and have made better comic book characters than that. You know what? This this doesn't seem that new to me. Uh, what I mean is I can remember lots of products, be it books or shows or even just advertising, that, you know, the the old fogey tries to be hip and communicate with the kids and 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 the kids just aren't having it they know it's not genuine they i this is just the 2020 version of that this is just the 2020 version of like in the 90s where you know the, hey kids do you know what's cool and fat and junk do you come skateboard over here and you know what i mean that's, they're just trying to reach out to these kids and widely missing the mark. I don't think they're trying to reach out to anybody. I think that's their excuse. Hmm. I think they're saying they're trying to reach out to kids. But what they're really doing is virtue signaling. They're in a culture, a subculture, where their jobs depend on them being publicly, openly, loudly, and proudly social justice. And they have to do things that are obviously social justice, or the whisper campaigns start and they'll never get a job in the industry again. And most of them are using the industry as a, as a stepping stone um, to try and get to someplace else that they really want to go. Like they really want to write for television or they really want to write for Hollywood or they really want to do whatever. Um, They're just passing through comics on the way to someplace else. And so in order to get to where they want to go, they have to, you know, they have to toe the line and produce something that's so uh, obviously social justice that they can get pass. They can get a pass. And they don't care if it sells or not. They don't care if people buy it or not. They don't care if stores um, 
uh, are suffering or not. I think you may have a point there. That's the situation. Sad. Yeah, but yeah, keeping... The... Oh, go ahead. Go... No, no, you. By keeping the Marvel name open, I almost wonder if there's... Let me put my tinfoil hat on. I wonder if by keeping Marvel open and continuing, continuing to produce comics, even if the comics don't sell... You can just put Marvel on your resume, then when you go to do whatever it is you really want to do, like movies or TV, you just say, I wrote for Marvel. And if you're a, you know, a old, out-of-touch TV or Hollywood executive, oh, Marvel, those movies that made bajillions of dollars, you wrote for them? Sure, I'll hire you. Hmm. Yeah. That's a lot of it. I, it's got to uh, be. I mean, how else? how else do you explain comics fans growing up and say, oh, I want to do comics, and then they get really excited for, oh, I'm writing for Captain America. How cool is that? And you and you think, yeah, I mean, Captain America is a great character, but it's someone else's character, someone else's stories, or you're just filling in the blanks. And, and yeah, there's something to be said for that. They're just, it's just for the career, just for the, just to have that on the resume. Yeah, it's lazy. Like in the end of the day, whatever the reason is, it's just a lot of it is just laziness. Or maybe they know that they can't come up with anything half as cool as Cap. Yeah, that could be it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've just about exhausted comics. That's a sad, sad, <laughs> sad state of a sad, sad, sad industry. There. I, w I want to talk about gaming for a second because in my mind people are in categories right and in my mind Mr. John Dacre is an RPG guy <clears throat> right so yes. I want to know how has your and I, open question to everybody as well how has your gaming or your writing about gaming improved over the past couple of weeks with this quarantine it actually really hasn't because i'm sort of considered essential so i've still been working full like my full shifts i you know get up in the morning and go to work you know my full eight hours so like my schedule really hasn't changed oh well i'm sorry to hear that i actually i uh, my job is fully work from home as well, or, or can be done from home. So I just happen to have a lot of vacation time banked for right now. But let me tell you what, you guys, I play a lot of board games, and the in-person meetups have all died, and it's a real shame. But I've taken another look at online gaming, and... Uh, places like BoardGameArena.com, they've completely been overloaded by traffic. I think uh, Monday this week, you couldn't even get on the site to play it. So there is tons of ways to get out there and play. And I'm finally taking another look at Roll20. Do you guys do much role-playing online? I have not. I would like to at some point. Maybe now is a good time to start. <laughs> I actually uh, run a game every Sunday night on Roll20. 
So, yeah, I, I use it every week. Use it every week. That's, you know what? I seem to remember that. Uh, you talking about that before. What kind of game do you run? I run Adventure of Conqueror King. Oh, with the Pick Rev guys, right? Well, none of them are really in the game. Um, oh, but okay. uh, you, you guys know Misha Burnett, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, he's he's in it. Now tell me about tell me about Roll Twenty because I've used it just a little bit, just sort of fussed with it, and it seemed very fussy to me for running a game and playing in it. What's your experience with it? Well, my experience, um, part of it depends on how much work you're willing to put into it, as particularly as a game master. If you if you preload a lot of information into the system, it it generally works pretty well, um, at least with the Adventure Conqueror King character sheets that someone else made. Uh, it's a very simple system where you you click, I want to attack, and then you click on the thing you want to attack, and it'll automatically run the numbers to determine if you hit or not, and if so, how much damage you did. But it requires me as a GM to, for every single goblin and orc and you know Lovecraftian entity, I have to put in its armor class and its hit points, and I, I've got to put all that in. So it's a lot of work wow. beforehand, but the running it works fine. Uh, compared to tabletop prep, how does, it, how does that compare? That sounds like a lot of extra work. It's... It, it, it is a little bit more work than doing actual like tabletop prep. I, I will admit that, but it's nice uh, because you know you can have the map set up. You can have all kinds of little tokens to represent things. Like I don't, I'm not one of those people with you know a shelf full of minis. You know, I'm not that wealthy or have that much space. Mm-hmm. So when I play in person, there's often like scraps of paper, coins. I've got like ten minis, and so. You know, this orc is going to represent the elf you just met. You know, I. So rule 20 is nice in that I can actually truly represent on screen what's happening and, you know, a little less imagination required. Mm -hmm. Um, But you definitely have to kind of the game master in particular really has to put the work in. But then once you put the work in, then it's it it runs fairly smoothly. Oh, sounds good. Not perfect, but. You know, for being able to game with people all over the U.S., you know, it's it's very handy. Now, there's another service that I heard about that has the rules a lot better integrated, but I, I, the name escaping me right now, Fantasy Something. Have you heard of that? Fantasy Grounds. Um, Grounds. They do, ha- they do have a few systems that they like really built into. In, into it to make it much easier to run mm-hmm. like 5e and savage worlds i've not really used it but with that with like a roll 20 you can actually run just about any system even if you even if there's not a pre-made character sheet because you can like type in dice rolls and say i want to roll 2d6 and add four mm-hmm. and it'll it'll happen so you can roll 20 is very flexible but because of its flexibility, 
there's a lot more work you have to put into it. Whereas I think a fantasy grounds, you have to use one of the systems that's built for it, like 5e, Savage Worlds. I think they do Call of Cthulhu. Um, but you can only really play those systems with all those add-ons and all those benefits that it gives you. So it's kind of a trade-off. What are you playing and how much time are you willing to put into it? Fair enough. Uh, Emmett Fitzhume has a question for you, actually. He wants to know about the game you're playing. What's the big thing about Adventure Conquer King that sets it apart? Apart from what? I don't know. Oh, well, basically, Adventure Conqueror King, to put it simply, is Advanced BX. It, it takes kind of the, the basic expert kind of rules and works with them and creates something a little more. Its claim to fame specifically is the domain system. So once you reach about level nine, it has a bunch of detailed rules for like owning a, a you know, being a duke or owning a kingdom, collecting taxes from peasants, going to war with armies. You can actually do like a war game thing within Axe if you want to. Wow. So you can you can do like mercantile adventures, like I'm gonna send a you know like send a boat away to go trade for five months and hopefully it'll come back and I'll make a bunch of money. It has rules for all of all of those little like side things that your characters might want to do to make money. That's something that traditionally dungeon masters have just made rulings on on the spot that that they've sort of codified. Right. And so this is a kind of a unified system that makes it maybe balanced isn't the right term, but it's very well thought out. Uh, you know, like the economics are very well grounded from a kind of a medieval ish perspective. Okay. And, and go ahead. And so there's even rules for, I don't know if you've ever had this problem where someone says, you know, I want to buy 15,000 pots of oil. I've got the money for it, so I should be able to buy it. And you're in, you're in a small town, and that's not realistic to buy all that, but how do you as a game master kind of communicate that effectively? Hmm. Well, Adventure Conquer King says, okay, every town of a certain size has only so many of an item available based on its cost. So if you're in a small village, you know, you're only going to find maybe five items that are worth like five gold or more. So if something costs, you know, five gold, like I'm just making things up off the spot. I don't have the books next to me. You know, if, if you know, the flaming oil costs five gold, you can say, well, there's only five pots in town. That's it. You can't load up 100 pots of oil and just douse everything in the dungeon in fire and just burn out the whole place. Well, I mean, now I'm not sure I want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, I, you can still do things. You know, there's still the spells and the classes and and everything else. I mean, you can launch fireballs and you know die horribly to traps. Love it, love it. Um. All right, well, I'll quit boring everybody else by talking about gaming, but I will. I, I do want to plug uh, the the guy who wrote Axe wrote a brilliant little guide called uh, Arbiter of Worlds, 
and it's yeah. it's sort of like game mastering 101 it sort of outlines his take on the OSR philosophy what it means to be a game master what it means to be a good game master and run a good game i i totally recommend that I, i'm sure you've read it by now yes i've got a copy on my shelf i absolutely recommend that to any game master you know and it's even on kindle if you don't want to spend you know the 8 bucks and wait 14 weeks for the amazon to get there <laughs> Yeah, fantastic book. Have you guys read that? Daddy Warpig in particular, I think you'd really appreciate it. Okay. Um, hey guys, I'm out of, I'm out of questions and, and ideas, and we're almost out of time. Is there anything that either of you wants to bring up? Uh, nothing specific comes to mind right now. <laughs> Go I'm just glad you. His... I'm glad you stayed awake through the gaming talk. <laughs> go go check out Galaxy Ascendant number six. Just out. Yes. <laughs> come come to Geek Gab. Work on your marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get what there eventually. You, John, do you, what about you, John? Do you have any last thoughts? And um, no, just everyone. You know, stay safe self-quarantine as best you can and uh, you know be well seconded uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you guys coming on stream and hanging out with us and uh, big thanks to everybody yeah. listening live in the chat and I appreciate everybody listening later on uh, on your streaming platforms uh, thanks guys for coming on thanks for everybody hanging out in the chat and uh, that's it for me daddy warpig all righty. Well, I want to thank uh, John and Yakov for coming on the show to talk about their uh, stories in the brand new uh, anthology. Uh, I want to thank, uh, encourage everybody to pick it up, if only to read the scintillating and uh, incredible and awesome and impressive forward by yours truly, plus all the other uh, great, great stuff in the book, Corona Chan Spreading the Love, available for free on Amazon right now. Infectious tales of fantasy and suspense designed to spread the pulp demic. Uh, thanks everybody who turned in live and uh, participated in our chat. Thanks for everybody who will listen later, uh, both on youtube.com slash geekgab or on the iTunes store the Google Play Store, or SoundCloud.com. You can subscribe to us on the device of your choice. We are signing out for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.